We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys already know where to follow me. Verified. Just look for Black Guy Dreads on Twitter. Chris, talk to him. <laughs> Never fails. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. And that's CKID206. Special guests with us on the show to continue our pre-draft coverage for all of you draft nerds. I know there are many of you uh, out there. First time on the show, we have Danny Kelly of The Ringer on the program. Danny, what up, man? Seahawks Twitter OG. What's going on? (laughs) What's going on, guys? How are you doing? Doing good. We're doing good. Very thankful for uh, your draft guide uh, that you have on the ringer. I need everyone to go check that out. Super good stuff. It makes me feel like a draft nerd. Um, Also, make sure you guys go check out uh, Danny's podcast as well. The ringer fantasy football show as well. Nerd out on fantasy football. Um, Danny, we're going to nerd out real a lot into the Seahawks draft process. Are you ready? (laughs) Let's do this. (laughs) I want I want to start with how the Seahawks got to the point of having three picks. Because it's really fun to play the hindsight 2020 game. So let's just do it. Um, What did you think? This is a two-part question here. What did you think of the Jamal Adams trade in real time? And how have those thoughts maybe evolved, you know, looking back at it now? Yeah. So I think, to be totally honest, when it first happened, I was like, that's a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) for a safety and then I think kind of as, as you know, the Seahawks worked him into their defense, obviously I think the, the early returns weren't super promising. Their defense just like got markedly worse. Um, and I don't think that was necessarily his fault, but I think, you know, when you trade two first rounders for a guy, you expect the early impact and like a really obvious impact. And I don't know if it really happened, but then it did feel like they, they started to get him more intelligently involved, like, fit him into their offense, but not trying or sorry, their defense, but not try and make their defense like, you know, all about him kind of deal. So I think they struck that balance later in the season, this last season, and and it started to look a little bit more um, promising. But I think at the end of the day, uh, I'm kind of I, I'm kind of just I'm ready to let it develop 
and and prove me wrong but it still feels like it was just probably not the right choice i don't think he's necessarily a two first round draft pick kind of player necessarily i think he's a very good player but i mean that's just a lot to give up and it kind of hamstrings your whole draft if you don't have a first rounder so um yeah i, I would say i probably look back i, I would say they, they might not make that trade again yeah, that, and then the, throwing the third in there is where, like, yeah, does, too. you feel like it's just like a throw in at the time, you know, it's in July, and then you get to Jeff, like, month, and you're like, ah, damn, a third round pick could really land you a dude. Yeah. You know, if you, if you do it right, like, Tyler Lockett, I believe, is a, is a third round pick, you know, like, imagine having a, a chance to get a guy like that. Now, the, the other two trades that they've made to kind of get them where they are, the, uh, one of the more recent ones is the Gabe Jackson trade from, from the Raiders, gave up a fifth. And mm-hmm. where are you on that one? I think that is a good trade. I think anytime you get past pretty much the third, fourth round, then you're really throwing darts. And so getting a a starter caliber player like that, who's going to, I think, upgrade your offensive line, um, plug and play guy. He's already obviously very experienced. You don't have to um, coach him up and not really know what you're going to get. So I think trading that fifth round pick for an established veteran, it makes a lot of sense. Um, especially for a team that is ready to win now and, and, and kind of compete right now. Um, I think people that, you know, if you, if there was any pushback for it, I don't know if people are really looking at it like it was a bad trade, but if there was any pushback, it would be, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks. A lot of times those get, those guys turn into foundational special teams type players, um, you know, depth pieces that give you like, give your roster more depth. And it's those if you if you punt on these like mid to late round picks too often, then like it can affect your the overall composition of your roster in the long term. I think you just can't afford to pay veteran guys to do like the back end stuff. So I think there's like potential long term ramifications for those kind of trades. But at the end of the day, I really like that trade. I think it was a, a really, you know, it was a good thing for the Seahawks. I think it's going to help them in year one. And honestly, that fifth round pick probably wasn't going to help them a whole lot in 2021. I'm going to rattle off a list of names here and then tell everyone <laughs> what they have in common. Michael Bennett, Gabe Jackson, Nick Vanette, Quandre Diggs, Calais Campbell. Oh, I can't remember the dude's name. There's a kicker in there from the Vikings. Chris, do you know what all those people have in common? It's okay. You know? I don't know. I'm sure, Danny. Do you, Danny, do you know what all those people have we're, in common? Were all they tr- traded for fifth-round picks? They were all traded for <laughs> fifth-round picks. And I say this to ask Danny, does the league actually know the value of a fifth-round pick? Because it feels like it's just all over the place. I, that is that is actually very bizarre to think about. I think a lot of that probably for, I don't remember, who did, did the Seahawks traded Bennett for a fifth? Is that what? Yeah, the they thing? got a fifth back, and they got Marcus Johnson, receiver, who never oh, made yeah, it. Never I think it. he's on the Colts now, Yeah, I, I believe. Yeah, like I think the, the a lot fifth of that, round yeah. trade value has been very weird. Like Nick Vanette and Quandre Diggs, Calais yeah. Campbell, that kicker's name that I can't a kicker. Fifth round pick. I don't know any kickers in the NFL. Yeah, it's, um. it was it's very 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 strange. I feel like the, no one in the league knows what a fifth round pick is actually worth. A fifth round pick, the value of a fifth round pick is take this guy off our hands. We don't want him anymore. <laughs> kind of deal we don't want to deal with his personality maybe anymore or something you know maybe we are trying to offload his contract um that's what it costs i guess is a fifth round pick the the last one here i I would imagine you're okay with this one especially what it did for the team but like they give up a seventh i think um to bring back carlos dunlap where you at on that one oh yeah that one's a no-brainer i mean (laughs) so yeah like fifth i honestly like fifth sixth seventh round picks 
I don't, I, I really just don't count those in really, to be honest. I don't really <laughs> care about them because like they're, they're absolute dart throws. If one of those guys turns out to be good, that's great. And the Seahawks mm-hmm. certainly have, have found a few guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Um, I'm not like saying it's impossible. I'm just saying the odds are, um, you know, those picks are not going to be super useful in the long run. So anytime you can bring in a, like a starter caliber player with that, I, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks do have some really good examples. J.R. Sweezy, Malcolm Smith, uh, Byron Maxwell. Um, there's some other, like... Sherman eight. was a fifth rounder, I think. Yeah, Sherman Cam are fifths. <laughs> yeah, like, so there's those are all the exceptions and not the right, not the rule. Right. You know, there's... there's For every J.R. Sweezy or a David Moore, there's an Alex Magoo or a Kenny Lawler exactly. or a Zach Brooks. And if you don't know who the last two people are that I named, that's the point. <laughs> Kenny <laughs> that, Lawler, was he a receiver? Yeah, from yeah. Cal. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, I remember this. I remember getting vaguely excited about that. <laughs> yeah, because you know me and Chris are Wazoo uh, alums, so I remember Kenny Lawler. I think he played with Golf. I want to say, um, and was you know they ran the Bear Raid or the Air Raid or whatever at the time. <laughs> yeah, so all the receivers put up numbers, uh, but it doesn't mean you'll last. He was uh, a skinny end, dude, so. I think, right? Like, yeah, very, very, very skinny. Yes, <laughs> that was that was his thing. But he he was solid. But yeah, I don't think he ever played for anyone. Seventh no. round pick, um, you know. Going, I want to plug your draft guide again, man. Because, like I said, I loved it. it. Makes me feel like a draft nerd. Because um, that I want everyone to be clear: if you're really into the draft, you're a nerd. Embrace it, though. Like mm-hmm. that's fine. Like I, I'm, I've embraced the, the nerdiness of just football in general with analytics and everything. <laughs> like whenever Mina says DVOA on ESPN, I'm like very hype. I'm like, yeah, one, <laughs> one for the nerds. Like yeah. I, I'm very cool about that. But it, when you when you uh, did all the scouting reports um, for this draft guy, like how many times when you were scouting pro- uh, prospects were you like, man, this is a really Seahawky prospect? Oh, that's a good question. I think so. To be totally honest with you, I feel less confident knowing what a sea hockey player is these days, because I feel like some of their, um, you know, the length things with receipt with quarterbacks early on in their, in the tenure there. Um, I'm not sure that's necessarily quite as strong of a rule. Like you, you used to have to have 32 plus inch arms and you have to mm-hmm. be like six foot even at least um, to kind of be like considered in the pool. But now they got guys like DJ Reed and whoever, and they have just been a little less stringent about those rules. So to be honest with you, I don't, I don't feel like I have as strong of a grasp on what they're looking for. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, elite athletes is they're going to, that's going to pique their interest guys who love ball guys who are super gritty play hard, you know, running backs, I think are pretty easy to figure out. They are looking for guys that are going to try and like run through your face essentially. Um, and like last year, for instance, <clears throat> DJ Dallas was the guy that I had pegged for as like a Seahawks target the whole way along. Cause just the way he plays, um is so Seahawky like grit he's like playing special teams he's a former quarterback um you know he he tries to break tackles he's very physical so I was like this is all like fits the Seahawks exactly um so but yeah absolutely I, I'm always trying to like find guys that I think would fit um it's been weird this year because they have so few picks I'm like almost disinterested I'm like they're not gonna <laughs> get it they're not gonna get any of these guys it's why am I like even investing my emotional um you know like trying to like talk myself into this guy being a Seahawk, but, um, but yeah, absolutely. Like some of the, you know, like the, the prototype type guys, they look for for sure. All right. Do you think John Snyder is going to flip those three into some more picks? Yeah, I think, you know, it's harder, obviously when you only have, what is it? The first one they have is a third rounder. Uh, 56. So real late in the second. second. Okay. Yeah. So, it's certainly going to be much harder to turn that into like last year or whatever they, they went in and, and, you know, trade back 
however many times and turn turn it into a huge haul. But this year, um, they you know they may, maybe they'll end up drafting five times or something like that. And I feel like that would probably be a reasonable goal, five six times. Um, but I definitely see them trading back. That that fifty six spot that would be like their best best shot at picking up like an extra third or extra fourth or fifth or something like that and um, trying to walk away with with a few more draft picks. But um, there's going to be a lot of tackles, uh, offensive linemen in general, I think, and a good amount of corners, receivers in that in that area that some team is probably going to want to come up and get. And I could see them trading back in that spot. Now, trading back, I think they will too. Um, even if I'm, I'm still kind of torn on the strategy of it, just because I do think they need they need a starter. Like yeah, if you come right. away with if you come away with five projects, I don't really know how well that helps you in 2021. So let's say I I, I just made I changed your name. You're no longer Danny. You're John Snatter now. Um, <laughs> welcome to the show, John. Thank you. How far back would you be willing to trade before making your first pick? Oh man, so. Man, are they gonna really go? Are we gonna go through the whole first two rounds without making? A <laughs> they like, yeah, possibly <laughs> might be chilling until like late on Friday fourth night round, when they make a round. pick. So yeah, I guess I honestly, I guess I would say no further than than going back into the third. Like if if they're going mm. any any further than late second or early third, then you're really getting into like dart throws and and you know like like you're saying you you want to find guys that can start. You want to find guys that are going to contribute. And, if you go back, obviously the the betrayed back um, strategy has been one generally speaking that you could say has worked because you know they found a lot of guys in the draft. But over the last few years, their drafts have been pretty poor, I, I would say, and or at least average at best. And then and and if you look and see some of the guys that they gave up at, by trading back, I mean, you never really want to play that game because you don't know who they're going to pick. But like they've definitely like traded back, and then some really good players have come off the board like right after they trade back. So um, it's one of those things where you know you got to balance wanting to make more picks because you think you have more you know dart throws to throw, but uh, at the same time, just like you got to pick somebody at some point, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah, you got to use pick that somebody pick. that's going to contribute. So I would say if they if they don't draft in the first two rounds, I don't know, that's, <laughs> it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough indeed. I do want to jump to the cornerback position because if there's one or two guys, maybe three guys that are available at that position, who would it be that the Seahawks should look at because they lose, they lost Quentin Dunbar, they lost Shaquille Griffin. That cornerback spot is, it's not as strong as the Seahawks want it to be. So who are two to three guys who might be available at 56 if the Seahawks do decide to take a guy? Yeah, so I think with the caveat that it's kind of tough to know really like how this draft is going to go down because we have so much less information this year than normal based on all the, you know, there's no combine and, and weird total season. So I, I think there's going to be like, maybe these guys I mentioned will end up being a first rounder and you'll think I'm an idiot, but a couple guys come to mind, Tyson Campbell from Georgia, Eric Stokes from Georgia. So the two Georgia corners both have length, uh, a ton of athleticism and speed. I think maybe with both those guys, there's some questionable like tackling skills, which maybe would be a turnoff for the Seahawks. Um, but at that point in the draft, like you're not going to find a complete guy. You're not going to find, right. you know, a, a guy that has all the traits that you're looking for. Um, and then, and I'm going to butcher his name, but Ifatu Melifonwu from Syracuse, pretty I think close. Is, an, is another really interesting one. <laughs> Did I get there in the ballpark? I, I think you're good, that man. Sounded right. Yeah, <laughs> better than I what I would say. Yeah. Um, but he, he, you know, he's 
his brother Obi was in the league for a minute. I think he might still be in the league, you know, not necessarily starting, but um, another guy who I think fits the mold, at least of what the CX used to be looking for at with length. He's six, three, 214 pounds or so. He, he's obviously a lot bigger and longer than and most cornerbacks. I think he's got elite ath- athleticism, um, good ball skills. And then a guy that I was just watching that I really like is uh, uh, Paulson Adebo from Stanford. I don't know if you guys have watched him at all, but um, he is really interesting to me. He reminds me a little bit of Sherman and, and, or actually I think I comped him to Byron Maxwell, to be honest. Yes, I saw that in your draft guide. Yep. He is, he's really like great ball skills. Um, just has a knack for getting his hand on the football, knocking it away, like raking it past the receiver's hands or whatever. Um, but he's a little bit stiff and I, I, you guys remember probably like watching Maxwell. He's like, he wasn't like a, the way he played was a little bit unorthodox. He's kind of stiff and, and, um, you know, I guess just not fluid or whatever, but I think that I think you could say the same about Debo. Um, but he's just a natural ball hawk, very good athlete. Um, tons and tons of, uh, I don't have in front of me, but tons and tons of pass breakups and interceptions in his career. So he's a guy, if he's there in the second round, I would be excited if the Seahawks took him. And you mentioned your draft comparison and your draft guide. I really like that you tied in different sports. Like I forget who it was, <laughs> but you compared him to the athleticism of Nate Robinson. Yeah. Are you the are you the first person to do that where you touch on different sports and you combine the two in the comparisons? Oh no, I'm I'm sure I'm not, but um I always really like the cross sport comparisons because it gives you an idea of like the type of athlete they are. So I did it was Rondale Moore had mm. um I think it was We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to say maybe I put Golden Tate and Nate Robinson was the comp. I think, I think that was it, yes. Because I was and like, that's dope. <laughs> basically, it was like, as a player, he sort of got the Golden Tate. He's, he's you know, quick elusive breaks tackles gyroscopic balance um but like as an athlete he is explosive he was like a five foot seven dude in high school and he was dunking and i'm just like man this guy is like nate robinson a little (laughs) little short dude but has explosive explosive hops explosive speed um you know all that stuff so uh, I, i try and do those every once in a while it's like kind of you have to explain them a little bit usually but i think a lot of people can kind of see what i'm getting at Oh, I got it immediately. And I was like, this is dope. Why hasn't anyone else done this? And to be honest, that was the first time I've seen it. So if you're not the first man to man's plugging you saying you are, but I want to get, I want to get back to the corner conversation because mm-hmm. you brought up the fact that Pete Carroll looks for guys that have long arms that are his prototype for what he looks for in corners. Do you think that is the only way 
they should draft corners? Or should Pete realize that, you know, I got a guy in DJ Reed who's out here doing phenomenal with what he's, you know, his height and his speed and all that. But is that something that is hurting Pete? Or is that just something that we're going to have to get used to because this is what Pete wants to do? Yeah, that's a really tough... It's tough to know because for starters, you know, and I haven't, I haven't like tracked or anything, but I don't think they play quite as much just straight cover three as they used to just, you know what I mean? Like in, in the early days of peak era era, it was basically line up in the same defense every time. We're just going to be so much better at it than everybody else. It doesn't matter. You guys know what we're going to run, but we're just so good at it. It doesn't matter. And now they don't have the talent. They don't have like four future hall of fame defenders, like, you know, on the, on that side of the ball. So they have to be a little more, I think, creative and diverse with what they're running. Um, so I would say trying to be too specific with with the what they're trying to find at the quarterback position is it's diminishing returns. Certainly, I'd say it's not necessarily hurting them, but there's diminishing returns in addition to the fact that you have so many other teams now copying what the CX have done over the years. Look, like for you know, after the Legion of Boom era, you had. Um, you know, Pete Carroll's coaching tree go out through the NFL and all of a sudden you got six or seven teams looking for the same guy at corner. Whereas like the early days of Seahawks, we'll take Sherman in the fifth round. Cause he's got length and we can like work him into our system and, yeah. and, you know, do what we're doing. Byron Maxwell, we see this like potential to do that. We're going to coach him up on, on our techniques and go, but now there's like number one, too many teams are doing it. And number two, I think it's becoming more clear. Like Sherman was, special you know <laughs> yeah, he's not just like a tall guy yeah it's not like you can just put a tall guy in there and he can do what sherman's gonna do sherman is in a like hall of fame caliber player it just you know it just worked out like that he was the first guy they sort of tried that with but um but yeah so i think it, it, it's it, expectations should be that you're not going to be able to just keep finding guys like that in the middle rounds um so Maybe this is the year. Well, obviously they don't have a first rounder, so they're not going to pick the guy in the first <laughs> round. But maybe this is year they like go a little earlier at corner and, and try and find a guy that's going to like just actually be really good rather than trying to coach him up. <laughs> Makes sense. I do want to stick with the defense, and I want to look at some edge rushers because you can never have too many of those guys, right? The mm-hmm. Seahawks pass rush is improved by bringing back Carlos Dunlap, Benson Mayoa, but I'm st- I still think they could use another piece, and I. Read that dope, amazing draft guy that you did, which is really cool. Again, I'm going to plug it. Edge Joseph Asai. How Mm. would he fit with the Seahawks pass rush? Could he make an impact? I know, like I said, that they have a bunch of players, but it wouldn't hurt to bring someone in who is young and can get after it, right? Yeah. He's an interesting one. I I like him um, for a lot of reasons. I think, number one, he's he plays hard. He's like one of the highest motor guys. He's just, when the snap goes, he he doesn't stop. that's a check. Yeah, <laughs> so he's like he, he's really, really athletic, really good length, um, plays really hard, physical. You know, I think he he loves ball and all that stuff. That's very important to the Seahawks gritty. I don't think he's super bendy. Like he's a little bit. Uh, he's probably a little bit too like stiff. I think to be, you know, like a, a double digit sack guy. But he is the type of player I think that could live in the backfield, be a very good run defender. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to compare him to like Jadavian Clowney. He's not the same type of player, but like maybe a guy that's disruptive, but not going to like get a ton of sacks. That's the kind of who I picture with Osai. Um, he had a ton of uh, tackles for a loss last year and he's still pretty raw. You know, they, they started him out um, sort of like trying to fit him in as an off the ball linebacker. And then he, he, they kind of realized he's just better as a pass rusher. So they let him play on the edge and, 
Um, so yeah, I think he he definitely be in that range. I'm guessing he'll probably be in that range or mid to late second round. Um, and and I think he would be a fit just because um, the way he plays, the style he plays, like his athleticism, all that. I think you know his length and all that. So I think the CX would definitely be interested. But I do worry he's just a little bit uh, uh, stiff as a rusher. All right, we're under of the impression on this show that the Seahawks definitely listen to our show. Like, they've done some things that, like, they I feel like they could only do them if they listen to us. So, Pete, this mm. is going to be your favorite part of the show if you're listening. Let's just talk about running backs. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't think that's a position that Seahawks Twitter wants to hear about them <laughs> considering with only three picks. But just what are your overall thoughts on you know this class of running backs? So, I think it's it's kind of a top heavy class. I think Najee Harris. Travis Etienne, Javante Williams are like the clear top tier. And then from there, it's sort of pick your flavor. And I think a lot of these guys are going to be landing spot dependent, whether they're, you know, super productive. A lot of them are probably going to be complimentary style backs or backups. Um, but there's definitely some guys that, that fit the Seahawkey style mold uh, in the mid to like second, third, fourth round. I think Trey Sermon is the first guy that comes to mind. Um and the reason, so like stylistically, he reminds me a little bit of Todd Gurley, which you wouldn't be the first like, oh, that's a Seahawks guy. But with, uh, you know, with the Ram, uh, I'm assuming the Rams style of offense is going to come to to Seattle uh, this next year. And, and like they're going to do a lot of the wide zone stuff and, and play action, um, all that. I don't know exactly how, how um, specifically like similar it's going to be under Shane Waldron, but I think it's going to be that sort of style style of game. So I can see them, number one has Todd Gurley signed with anybody? Like it wouldn't surprise me. No, I think like... he's a free agent, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day where, where Todd Gurley was going to sign. I was like, it's probably going to be the Seahawks because <laughs> they love like over the hill running backs. I don't know. So, um, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if Todd Gurley went to the Seahawks, but at the same time, I, I kind of think Trey Sermon would be an interest to them. You know, he had a weird college career where, he didn't really do a whole lot. He he was very inconsistent. He started out of Oklahoma and he transferred to Ohio State. And then late in this last season, he looked honestly like the best running back in the country. He was unstoppable. He was like jumping over guys, um, picking up 200 plus yards in a couple of games there for Ohio State and just looked really, really explosive, awesome. So I think he's going to be a kind of guy that some team takes a, takes a chance on in like this, the third round or something like that. And I could see the Seahawks liking him for that reason. Um, and then, you know, if we're going to, if we're talking about bigger backs, I think that's kind of the Seahawks thing, right? Like they don't, they're not probably going to go in with like a 200 pound guy. Uh, <laughs> Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma is another one that's interesting. I, I, he, I comp him to like a Gus Edwards style of player where, you know, he's downhill. Um, he's not very explosive or fast, but he is, he's like a slick runner. He, he just, his footwork is really good. Um, he has really good balance. He makes guys miss in the short area and he's just really solid, like a thick, solid dude that can, you know, like bang, bang around in the, in between the tackles. So, um, he'd be another guy. I think the Seahawks would end up liking. And then if you want to get really like later around Kylan Hill from Mississippi state is, I think another guy that could be interesting for the Seahawks. Um, because again, he's like physical dynamic, uh, pretty quick. He kind of reminds me of Travis Homer a little bit. Um, so he might be like a late round type of dude to look at on a scale of one to outraged. How, where do you think Seahawks Twitter as a whole is going to fall? If the Seahawks only use three picks this year yeah. and one of them is on a running back. <laughs> 
I don't think it matters how many picks they have. They're going to be outraged. True. <laughs> True. Do you think, what are the odds are they will take one? Because they, so, they seem to have a few guys that they can roll with now. So I, I've thought about that more recently because of their reported interest in Gio Bernard. And I was yeah. like, if yeah. if you're interested there, because he's not, he doesn't fit necessarily like the run through your face type of mold, you know, which is what they right. like. He fits more like, oh, I don't know what you want Rashad Penny to do. Screen, you know, what you want uh, <laughs> Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, all these pass catching backs that you have on the roster to do. So I was like, wait, they went after him? So they're going to draft a running back. Yeah. Yeah. So I was maybe at like, mm, Five ten percent. I didn't. I thought. I think their group right now is like you know, Chris Carson, Rashad, Travis, DJ, and Alex Collins. I'm like, you know what? Cool. Like that's yeah, Alex Collins. Yeah, they still got Alex <laughs> Collins too. It was like that. That no, no one's costing you a ton other than Chris isn't even. I think his cap hits like two million or something this yeah. year. Like you're yeah. you're okay. But then I saw the Gio Bernard thing and I was like, ah, wait a minute. They're gonna draft <laughs> a guy back. here and it's gonna it's gonna light the world on fire. <laughs> I was going to. uh Instead of saying from one to outrage, I was going to put from one to Evan, because um, <laughs> yeah. like I, th- I think he represents the highest amount of uh, outrage right. uh, on Seahawks Twitter. Because I think the it's going to explode when they're like, "Yeah, with the 111th pick, the Seahawks, you know, take a <laughs> oh, running back." Yeah, running <laughs> like the whole world is the, there's going to be no Wi-Fi in King County uh, be- be- because of that. Oh, uh, but can't wait another- for that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm selfishly waiting for it just because you know I like chaos. You know, yeah. like, what what do you say in Dark Knight? Like some guys just want to watch the world burn. Like I'm <laughs> I'm okay with that. Like on Twitter, like, yeah, the yeah. world kind of did burn in 2020, and I didn't like it. Uh, right, but it, on on we're talking about the draft and even the sports. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yes, there you go. It, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, but. I do think I've I've also been wrestling with like the slot receiver uh, position here. I've been mm-hmm. mocking slot guys to them uh, all last like month or so. Mm-hmm. It feels like a yeah. uh, uh, cat from South Carolina. Um, who else have I had in there? A uh, kid from Louisville who weighs like a hundred pounds. Two two. Um, two two out. Did you say Shy Smith the first one? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Shy Smith. Uh, Man from Louisville. She, I guess I, I can't remember how he says. I don't know. That's she. why I just said South Carolina. See how I just yeah. didn't try to mess up his. I hate when people mess up my name, so I don't like to guess. <laughs> oh, there's there's a there's another one in there. Oh, the kid from um South Dakota State, Kate Kate uh, Johnson. Kate Johnson. Yep. Yeah. Do you do you like any of those guys to maybe be a slot guy in Seattle? And if if, if there are any other names that maybe we're we're missing out on to fill that role. Um. Yeah. I, so Tutu Atwell is definitely interesting. He's like 155 pounds, super fast and explosive so i guess and he's actually you know he's like a good deep threat it might make some sense i don't he's not gonna block which is <laughs> obviously something that this guy seemed to like he's gonna get ragdolled out there if he tries to block anybody so that might not be on their radar um amari rogers from clemson yeah yeah he feels yeah. hockey to me Ooh. because he is He's like a Devo Samuel style guy, like very physical, could be just a running back straight up, just, you know, line him up in the backfield and run him out of the backfield. Um, but he's, he's a uh, former four-star guy. So he's, he's got that pedigree, you know, good body control. So this is maybe not like a, a very important scouting point, but I remember watching him and Kadarius Tony at the, on like the senior bowl uh, replays and stuff. And like Kadarius Tony, very explosive. He's probably going to be a first rounder, early second rounder not in the Seahawks range, but he is like chaotic in his body movements. Kadarius Tony is, he's just like constantly stumbling and falling and tripping. And, but he's also like blowing past guys and, and, you know, doing all that stuff. But like 
contrast that with Amari Rogers, who's not nearly as explosive, but he's so smooth and so collected physically. I just think he's like a really interesting guy to me that, um, again, like you might get like sort of entranced by the speed of a a guy like Tony, but Amari Rogers would not surprise me if he just ends up being a better football player. Um, So that's a long way of me saying, I do like Rogers a lot. I think he's very interesting. He'd be a very good, I think he's like one of the top producing slot receivers in this class. Um, And in, in that range, third round, third, fourth round, I think that would be a pretty good value. You know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, have a, a truth moment here. When I looked up Tutu Atwell, I sent him to Chris. I sent this highlight. <laughs> I was like, bro, there's someone our size in the draft. <laughs> no lie. I was like, because yeah. I think I'm, I'm like, I'm like 5'8", 160 and some change. Yeah. Right. Depending on if I have my wallet in my pocket, uh, you know, when I'm setting <laughs> the <bang>. scale. Uh, <laughs> depending so, on what time of the month it is or whatever. Yeah. Or yeah I was like, I sent, I sent this highlights to Chris. I was like, yo, Chris, check this out. It was like, wow, this is great. Check, check the measurements of that. Because so I could see him. If he is drafted by the Seahawks or any team, whatever team he's on, he seems like a big candidate for like to have like a cult following on that fan base, kind of like Puna Ford does uh, here in Seattle. Yeah. John Ursua kind of has his little hive here too, or like oh, yeah. John Coon in Green Bay for like a different reason. Like there's those guys, Thielen in Minnesota. There's just some guys who get like the cult following, so that's yeah. why I. That's partly why I sent him to Chris as well. I was like, yo. There's 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 a guy in there. It's like, like he's gonna rep for the little guys if he if he uh, starts the ball out. I do like him. I think he's very, very explosive. Um, but he, yeah, and he's an interesting one because I've seen him mocked in first round before. By really? a couple of wow. Like, uh, I want to say I saw McShay. This was like two weeks ago, had him at 33 overall. Wow. And then Daniel Jeremiah, when he first did his first mock, he was in the first round. He subsequently dropped him quite a bit. I want to say he's like not even in the top 50 anymore. Um, so, I don't know what that means. Like the NFL is maybe a little bit all over the place on this guy, but he is another, he's like a, a four-star guy, really explosive, really good speed. Uh, it's just like the Devonte Smith question. He's like really skinny, too, too small for the NFL maybe. Um, but Marquise Brown was a first rounder. So maybe not. Yeah. He's carving it up. Yeah. He's doing so good. He, he, that's my comp for him. He's just, you know, kind of like a small speed guy. And I don't know if he would necessarily fit with the Seahawks um, just because he, he's not going to block for anything. Now, Mike usually throws people in the spotlight, and I'm going to do it here because, well, I'm hoping I can do it because, A, hopefully you've seen these movies. Are you, you, You've seen the Avenger films, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're, in the, we're, we're, going, we're going for it. All right. All right. Let's go top seven, NFL Draft 2021. Give each player, one through seven, a character from Avengers. Who you got, man? So who's going to oh, be captain? No. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is going to be tough. Okay. Uh, let me pull up my list here. So who's going to oh, be Captain fine. America? You can. So we got Captain America. So who's Captain America in this list on one through seven? I mean, I guess Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> there we go. Captain America oh. during the era where he had like long hair and a beard. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew this would work out. Okay, yeah. that's perfect. So number two is uh, now I'm forgetting his name. He is now Captain America. What's the brother's name? Help me out here. I'm I'm forgetting his name. Oh, the new Captain America guy from like the game. I thought everybody yes. died. What's his name though? <sighs> Rogers? No, that's no, that's Steve. That Rogers. is Captain America. Uh, oh, Black Falcon. Be, there we go. Oh, the Falcon. Who's the Falcon? The Falcon yep. Um. Oh, I thought you were talking about. So on the new on the Falcon show, there's like a literal new Captain America. Oh, I can't boy. remember his name. Um. But he sucks, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, so the Falcon, Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going with Jeremiah Usu Koromoa from Notre Dame. Nice. Because okay. He flies around the field. He is explosive. 
uh, he shows he like comes out of nowhere and just like lays out a dude. Um, so I think that I think that fits really well because Owusu Koromoto is like really really explosive, a uh, little bit undersized, but flies around, um, packs a lot of punch. So I think that works. All right, we got Iron Man for number three. Who's who's gonna be your Iron oh, Man? man. Who's Iron Man? <laughs> that's that's a good question. I'm gonna go with uh, Zach Wilson, I guess. Ooh, okay. Here's here's why. His grandfather owns JetBlue. Oh. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> so he's rich, uh, and he's he's like I got a baby face, and he's like kind of cocky. I think these all kind of like work together. Perfect. Okay, four. Uh, I guess you know we're well, Spider Man. Spider Man, shoot. Oh, I gotta go with Tony, Kadarius Tony, because he's this like is... he's chaotic. He's flying all over the place. He's like changing directions. You don't know where he's coming from. Um, you know, gravity doesn't necessarily apply. He's just kind of all over the place. So I, I like that one. All right, gotta go Hulk smash. Who we got as the Hulk? Oh, uh, let's see here. I'm going with Najee. Ooh, okay. Is that a good one? I guess that's a good one. I'm just thinking of like he's just like physical, big physical. Um, yeah, kind of runs all over the defense, smashes guys in the face. <laughs> Is Najee Najee's the one who's joined this like trend of guys wearing the really tight spandex to show off their thighs? That sounds, I feel sure. like it's I feel that like it's right. him. It's like him, the Packers pick from last year. Um Saquon, I feel like it's like a guy, a group of guys like showing off their thighs. Oh yeah, AJ Dillon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, AJ Dillon. You want to talk about Hulk? Oh, that's yeah. That's, Najee yeah. Harris has quads that could rival <laughs> AJ Dillon, so he's got Hulkish. He's got Hulkish quads. I'm gonna find the picture. I'm pretty sure he sent his a picture of himself <laughs> to AJ or Saquon. Like, yo, I'm Check here with the thunder thighs. Like, I'm pretty. Mm-hmm. I gotta find it. But go go ahead. So that's five, if I'm not mistaken, if my math serves me well. You know, we're going to do six because I, I can't remember two other guys. What's the man that shoots the bow and arrows? Help me out here. What's his uh, name? Hawkeye. There yeah. we go. Who's Hawkeye? <laughs> Shit. Here, let's see here. Probably not Mac Jones. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's actually a really good one. <laughs> it's the guy no one wants. <laughs> and that's a good point. No he one has wants no Hawkeye. superpowers. He's just accurate. <laughs> I was just I was uh, now we're just talking on an Avengers rant. I don't know how we got here, but I Blame was me. just talking about like how all of them have superpowers and like he doesn't. He's just a <laughs> just, guy. Yeah. <laughs> just like you just shoot. But like where do they get you? Like anybody. He's an archer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, anyway, you do an Olympic sport. That's like your superpower. It's like that's not a superpower. I said seven. We're gonna end it at six. Thank you, Danny. You killed it. That was dope. I'm sure everyone listening is gonna be like, that was really good for him that being put fun. on the spot. So that was great. Thank you. Oh man. <laughs> No, you know what? That we're talking about quarterbacks. We threw Mac Jones in there to make fun of him, but I do actually <laughs> want to talk about quarterbacks. I want to ask this question, Danny: How many circus tents are we up to now? Ooh. with the Russell Wilson saga in terms of drama and and everything. Our, our most recent update, if you can count it, is Tyler Lockett's comments on Zoom uh, Tuesday afternoon, where he basically at, was asked, "Hey, what's wrong with the offense?" And he was like, "Well, we couldn't adjust. We had to learn how to adjust." Um, and adjusting was tough for us. He kept saying we, you know, putting everyone the in there. Yeah. yeah, but there's some reading between the lines going on uh, on Seahawks Twitter because that's what happens there. So how many <laughs> cir- how many circus tents are we up to now uh, with uh, this whole thing? I would say we went back down. So at the peak of the drama, you know, I think we were probably around a four top, yeah, four out of five, because you start getting Doug Baldwin tweeting about it, like really, you know, like <laughs> sub tweets. 
uh, you got Richard Sherman going like the the, the eyes emoji about <laughs> stuff, and even uh, J- uh, Jermaine Tr- Jermaine Curse is like joining in. It's like all the bo- like the old Russell Wilson bullies, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like all the guys that hated him, even though you know he was their quarterback or whatever. Kind of a weird sort of dynamic there, but um, but not nothing new. Like Doug Baldwin's been subtweeting Russell Wilson since 2012, I think, but. Um, yeah, it uh and then I think over the last few weeks though it's kind of diminished. I think it seems as though he's here for at least this year. <laughs> it seems as though he started to say go Hawks again. I'm talking about Russell Wilson. He's he started yes. to say go Hawks at the end of uh interviews, so that's always a good sign that he's like bought back in. He's he's here to be the Seahawk for another year. Um the Seahawks did make a few moves, I think. Um I don't know if it was to placate him, but I think a few of the moves are solid additions to the, to the offense, like the Gabe Jackson thing. Um, I really like the Gerald Everett signing personally. I think he's a really good player and, and could really elevate their offense. Um, now, obviously you could ask like, have they done enough? I don't know, but uh, it, it feels as though they've sort of patched things up a little bit. I know that Brandon Marshall came out and said that they've made their piece. Yep. Everyone kumbaya it up. Yep, yeah. Yep. So, we're down, to, we're down to three. We're down to three big tops. But Doug Baldwin, I think he's still tweeting about it. So, <laughs> you know, as long as he's out there tweeting and and kind of like trying to rile everybody up, I think we'll keep it there. Of all the things that happened in the Russell Wilson saga, and I, this probably sounds weird coming from me because I was part of the story that kind of blew a lot yeah, of us up. Yeah. Uh, but of all the things that were like ridiculous to you, whether it was a tweet or someone, a talking head, just what was the, you like, Jesus Christ, we're really doing this right now? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. It didn't honestly, none of it felt all that ridiculous. I think it was like the thing that was a little bit ridiculous. It it felt like both sides were putting stuff out through different medium. Like, you know, you have like the Russell Wilson camp um, talking to Dan Patrick or whoever and like trying to like give out, give their side of the story and make the Seahawks look bad and make the Seahawks look cheap or whatever. Um, I guess the one ridiculous thing that did come to mind is Russell Wilson calling out his offensive line. Mm. And I was curious whether that was actually like a big deal. Cause I think some, some people on Twitter were like, you know, his offense, like Dwayne Brown's going to have to like code red him now, you know, they're going (laughs) to have to like go take a sock with some soap in it and like hit him and, you know, like get him in line. Um, because he's talking, he's talking trash about the offensive line, or maybe it was just one of those things where like, they don't actually care. I don't know. Like I've never, I haven't been in that locker room. I don't really know like how it operates, but um, I think the reaction to people looking at him and saying, you know, oh, I'm tired of getting hit. That was like a little bit ridiculous to me. Yeah, I think, uh, and I haven't done a ton of digging on how the O-line feels about done a little bit. And it's, it's, it's mixed as you can imagine. Yeah. Here's the issue that you run into with a lot of these guys is they're not, plugged into the context around a lot of comments it's just right. the bleacher yeah. report update on their phone or the graphic that they scroll on youtube or what a family member says right. secondhand and really <laughs> they didn't read the whole thing he they said, just what? saw the thing yeah so then it, it's like a game of telephone is how it gets yeah. to some of these guys so it's not necessarily the like the, the i'm tired of getting hit that if you if you hear the quote you're just like oh okay you can feel away but if you get it like third hand and by the time it gets to you is, hey, bro, Russ said you guys are trash. 
right? Well, then your reaction is different. Yeah, you're yeah. like, wait a minute, hold on. Russ said what now? He said you're <laughs> no. the only reason that I'm not a I'm not a future Hall of Famer yet or something. No, yeah, it's like, yeah. It could get to it get to you know the whole line. Like it depends on how it gets to someone like Dwayne. If it gets to him, it's like, hey, Russ said he can't be Tom Brady because of y'all. <laughs> it's like, wait, <laughs> they're holding me back. Uh, I feel like I, I don't remember the quote off the top of my head, but wasn't it? Oh, you might not remember either, but wasn't it like basically they said aren't you tired of getting sacked? And he was like, yes, I'm tired of getting sacked. <laughs> like, it was like, really not that it wasn't like he was calling them out. It was just like, yeah, we should get sacked less. Well, yeah, it was seemed like a little calculated in that, like Jason Lock and had tw- tweeted out the number 394, which is how many sacks he's taken. And then Dan Patrick was like using that number the very next day as like a talking point. And then Russ is like, well, yeah, since we're talking about it. Yeah, no, that sucks. 394. Right. And right. like, it's like you said, it kind of felt like, wait a minute here. Like, is this a, this this feels very like pointed at like where we're, where we're going here. we're trying to drive the the narrative and yeah and if you're if you're just seeing it that way if your old lineman's like wait okay hold on you know this guy takes some of his own sacks right and gets into this debate i think they'll be fine uh when offseason program when the whenever they get together at this point we don't know uh but yeah I, I, there was there was some of that like even if i were i've reported on the story again so i know but like I enjoyed Danny's commentary with the circus uh, emojis. Uh, I just, I just really enjoyed that. Even though I was like, no, this is a thing. But I was like, you know what? Some of it is kind of just like, what are we, what are we really doing here? Yeah, the, yeah. The There's a little question, bit on both sides, I think. Like it's, the, it's overblown, but also, you know, it is real. It is the biggest question, though, Danny. How does this story end? Does this story mm-hmm. end with a new chapter and rest is back in Seattle after 2022, or is this going to be, hey, this is it? I'm done. Great year, but I'm out of here. Yeah. So I think this is not a cop out, but I think it does. This year is sort of pivotal, like how things go with this new offense and new offensive um, system. Shane Waldron, if Waldron turns out to be, you know, like maybe the next, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be McVay, but like a, a, a good version of like the McVay tree of coaches. If he turns out to be a really smart, you know, innovative offensive play caller and, and things are like trending up. I think Russell Wilson could end his career in Seattle and, and they could patch things up and, and kind of go on their way. I think if there's a lot of growing pains this season and, and things fall apart or if you have injuries and the Seahawks end up being, you know, I can never count to 17. So what is it going to be like nine and eight, I guess now. <laughs> oh, that's an Something ugly like that. number. Nine <laughs> yeah. and eight. Jeff Fisher would say win like, like that. Eight or nine games in a seventeen game season, like I could see, I could honestly see Russell Wilson be like, "All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave now." You know, it, I do, I do think there was enough, um, real, uh, like Wilson's concerns and his belief that he is going to be one of the greatest of all time, and that he is one of the greatest of all time. Like you could argue with me about that. I don't like that's fine, but he believes that. Right, you know what I mean? Exactly. That's so point. it's matter. It really only matters what he believes. And if he thinks the Seahawks are holding him back from what he believes his legacy is going to be as one of the greatest of all time, he's going to leave. Mm-hmm. So I think it just really does matter kind of like what happens this year. And, and you know, we're, we'll, we'll argue about whether he is propped up by a good defense and, and a good run game you know, tell the cows come home. But at the end of the day, he believes that he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. And he's going to go somewhere where he can win as many Super Bowls as he can. Um, I ultimately, like if I had to put odds on it, I think he's going to stay with Seahawks, but I don't think it's like absurd or even like that far fetched to, to think that he could leave uh, not this year, but after this year. 
Yep. Uh, I want to get you out of here on two things. The first one is I've been really fascinated by the like elite left tackle versus the elite wide receiver debate that has spawned mm. because of the uh, Penny Sewell yep. versus uh, Jamar Chase. Um, it's Jamar, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. With with the Bengals. Basically, everyone's debating what the Bengals should do, and it's become this positional value discussion. It's been really yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, but I want to dive into it here because it doesn't really matter for the Seahawks. But what it has made me think about is the investment in a new left tackle. And like, mm-hmm. that's not a position you can just pick up. You know, you you look at the good right. left tackles in the league. They're all really first round picks for the team that drafted them or the team that has them now gave up a haul to right. get their guy. Um, so if you're the Seahawks, again, I've given you a promotion. You're now John Snyder again. Um, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Thank you. How, how would you go about um, addressing Dwayne Brown's uh, successor? Yeah, how old is Dwayne? He's like 37 now or I think this is going to be his age 36 season, uh, I, okay. I, I want to say. 35 right now. So, yeah, he'll turn 36 in August, late August. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think this is the time, uh, I think, where you start to worry about guys falling off. I don't think he's like, it's, you know, imminent necessarily that his play is going to fall off. Uh, he's still playing at a high level. But, yeah, I mean, I think it probably makes a lot of sense to start investing in uh, his eventual replacement, maybe find a guy uh, like maybe like say Liam Eikenberg from uh, from Notre Dame. You could probably get him in the second round and he could start at guard perhaps or, you know, right tackle or whatever, wherever you need to plug him in. And then eventually, whether it's like two years down the line or whatever, um, you know, he could be the long term replacement. I think it, it definitely makes sense to like throw some darts to that position, though, um, because you're absolutely right. I was actually listening to the athletic uh, football show with Robert Mays the other day and Nate Tice, I believe. Um, and they were talking about this, this, you know, this argument whether you take Sewell or or Chase with that pick. And you're absolutely right about how like the vast majority of the elite tackles in this in this league are first round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, so the CX don't have one, so that throws a wrench in this discussion a little bit. But even like you know, but I think the point is like you have to you have to invest high picks into these right. guys. And so if, they, if they're going to spend their second rounder on a tackle, I wouldn't balk at that, really. I think it's a good choice. Um, I think Russell Wilson, honestly, could do really well with an elite offensive line. I think he could pick apart defenses with a good offensive line. I think there's something to that. So um, I don't think it would be a waste at all. I just I don't know if I really trust. They just haven't done a very good job of, of drafting offensive linemen. And, and, and seemingly, I don't know like I what all the guys they bring into are sort of just like these old cast offs. I don't really have a lot of faith in them. Um, I do love Dwayne Brown. I think that was like a hit, but um, like the Og buoys and uh, remind me the, the tackle that went to Chicago. Uh, he, uh, Jermaine Fetty. Drafted, yeah. Yeah. Fetty. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just like for whatever reason, they just have not been um, very accurate on, on the, the offensive lineman that they've taken so far. Yeah, the the not having a first round pick for these two years is the that's where I've really thought about their left tackle spot. Like I said, they're they're you know they don't have the pick where you usually get a get a guy. That's kind of mm-hmm. it's not like a huge thing that everyone should be worried about like right now. But like in the back of my head, I'm like, huh, this could end up being really bad because I'm with you. I don't really give the benefit of the doubt because what happened if they lost Russell Okung? Right? They like with I think it was the George Fant show. You know, it was an undrafted yeah. former former basketball player. Uh, that they had playing left tackle, you know, in 2016. Yeah. And that just yeah. kind of, and he was supposed to be the guy in 2017 until he tore his knee up. And then they went and traded for Dwayne after Riso Diambo wasn't it. So it's like, ah, you guys should start now, you know, if you want to <laughs> seriously uh, uh, yeah. find that guy. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the last thing, just you, you already, 
You like the Gabe Jackson move. It's just said you like Gerald Everett. Let's go big picture with their offseason pre-draft, of course. Um, what do you think? I don't know. I'm not going to ask to rate it on one to outraged or anything, but just what are your kind of thoughts on what they've done um, this offseason? Yeah. I'm not at, I'm not at the Evan level yet. Um, <laughs> no, I, I actually honestly, I kind of like their offseason. I like that. I like the Waldron signing in or, or not signing, whatever they hired him. Um, I like it in theory a lot. So I've always really liked what the what McVay's done with the Rams offense. I think it's like the ideal of what you're what. I would be looking for in an offense if they're going to continue to insist on being a very run heavy balanced team. Like that's what you'd want either the Shanahan or the McVay system where they're doing a ton of like pre-snap motion deception, uh, you know, eye candy in the backfield, like making it very difficult on defenses. I love all that stuff. I think it's really important that they do that. Um, and they did a little bit of that last year. And I think it was very effective, especially early in the season. Um, but so I'm excited about Waldron. Um, I think some of the moves this this off season have been really solid. You know, I don't, I, I was kind of not excited, but I, I was glad that they didn't give uh Shaq Griffin, like a big top of market deal. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he really was going to be that kind of like player. I think he's a good solid player, but not necessarily like top of market cornerback money type player. And so I thought that was smart. Um, the Jaron Reed stuff was a bit weird. I don't, mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't really know exactly what happened there. Um, it feels a little bit like they botched that, but I, it, but Reed also maybe just wanted out and that was always going to happen. Um, but yeah, I would say overall, um, I feel pretty positive, honestly, about what they've done. Like Kerry Hyder, the more you dig into Kerry Hyder, he sounds like a pretty underrated guy. Um, you know, good, potentially a good value for what they got him. Um, you know, I don't know if Akella Witherspoon is going to be a starter, but he certainly seems like a, a solid depth guy for them and, and doesn't make them married to like having to spend their first pick on a corner. It kind of gives them a little bit of options going into the draft. So um, it's not like a flashy off season, but I do feel pretty positive about everything they've done. Yeah. Kerry Hyder reminds me a little bit of Quentin Dunbar from last year. And that yeah. like no yeah. one over here really knew about him. <laughs> yeah. And then they did their Googles and, you know, read some pro football focus stuff and a couple of exactly films studies come out. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, he's good. This is great. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, we've, we've talked ourselves into the thing. Now, yeah. obviously Quentin Dunbar had other issues, you know, with the legal stuff and everything. But like at this point last year, the Quentin Dunbar thing was great. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, got a guy. He had that high pro football focus grade through the first like nine games of the season in 2019. Like it was widely considered a great move and carry. It seems it feels similar. That mm-hmm. like there hasn't been the same like revelation, I don't think, with, with Gerald and Akello. Like if you had an opinion on them, you have it still. And if you didn't, you don't. Like Carrie yeah. was the one. It's like, yo, wait a minute. The Seahawks know what they're doing. Holy hell. <laughs> Look, they they got it, they got a guy like we actually actually are hyped about for for a decent price too yeah i think the underrated mvp of the season was probably um off season was a uh, matt thomas uh their yeah. salary cap guy because the seahawks are like paying no one <laughs> but russ and bobby <laughs> and Dwayne. that's yeah. like their, their whole like guys are getting paid but this year the cap hits are like mm-hmm. russ bobby Dwayne, everyone else is yeah. like yeah. It's down uh to pennies for the most part so yeah, the Carson, I'm, I'm, the Carson deal I thought was like smart because it's it's basically very low cap hit this year, and then maybe next year or whatever they can reassess. But yeah, I think it's it's all that it's kind of all pushing it into to the future. But um, the cap is going to explode, and that's it's really smart. Right, right. Um, 
think that's all we got for you, Danny, man. Appreciate you giving us your wisdom, uh, your <laughs> Avengers knowledge on the fly, too. Like, God, I, I those movies, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, peek behind the curtain here. Danny did not know we were going to throw that at him. So that's <laughs> no like idea. on the fly <laughs> Avengers analysis. That was fun. There, that, that, that we're giving out here. And thank you, Danny, for joining us on the show. Please, yeah. guys, you listening, make sure you go check out his draft guide on The Ringer, man. It is it is good stuff. It's really good, I think, for people like me who aren't into the draft, who need to catch up right fast before mm-hmm. April 29th or whatever comes around, and you're like, oh, okay, and there's some player comps. I got it. Cool. So it's really nice uh, for that as well. Make sure you guys go check out his podcast as well, The Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Um, great work. Man. We've been following your work for a little bit here, Danny, so we're big fans. Glad to get you on the show finally, man. we got to have you do it again soon. Absolutely. I would love to. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right, that note, you can listen to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. We'll catch you guys next week, guys. We're out. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.